This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by the Leader Score Assessment, a simple tool to evaluate the health of your leadership. Find out more at leadto.win slash leaderscore. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. And in this episode, we're going to talk about how to confront a high-achieving but bad-behaving team member. This is a really tricky subject because you can feel so much pressure as a coworker or a boss to tolerate bad behavior if the performance is there. And very often, thankfully not always, but very often what makes somebody able to produce amazing results, you know, their ambition, their confidence, things like that, also is a real setup for them to, to think that they're above kind of the rules of conduct and ethics and behavior. And it can just be an absolute nightmare. It can be. And this is the exact opposite of somebody with humility yes. that has high performance. And and this is a situation where, like you said, it's somebody that's confident, prideful, and that could get them into a lot of trouble. The very things that makes them succeed in the performance front could be their undoing if they're not careful. So we've got Larry Wilson with us to help guide us through this discussion. Welcome, Larry. Hey, Larry. Okay. Last month, we talked on the show about what to do when you work for a bad boss. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the flip-flop what to do when you've got that classic bad boy kind of employee, somebody whose behavior is a problem, even though their performance is strong. You must have dealt with this. What was it like? Well, first of all, it's super easy to handle if they just have bad behavior. Then you just fire them, you know, usually. Right. I mean, if we're, to- we're talking about the kind of things that we're talking about, you just get rid of them. The real conundrum happens when not just you have high performance, but you know, oftentimes it's the highest performance. It's your best salesperson. You know, it's your rainmaker. I mean, this is this is the person you feel like you can't afford to lose who's also doing something that is egregious enough that it's it deserves termination, but you're not sure that you can afford to lose him. Yeah. And so what you've got to do is purpose that you're not going to tolerate this because you got to be committed to playing the long game and nothing will undermine your culture or undermine your credibility as a leader faster than not dealing with this kind of situation. And I've definitely been in organizations where this kind of behavior existed and management was unwilling to terminate the employee because that employee was perceived to be a rainmaker and it would create a performance problem for the company. So I remember one time when we hired an employee, I won't say what the organization was or what context it was because I don't want to give it away, but... um, This person had a serious drinking problem. In fact, we were at a trade show and this person came back to their room and they were staying with another employee because we were, in those days, we shared rooms. And so he's staying with another employee. This person came in, went to the toilet, was vomiting in the toilet and otherwise keeping up his roommate. And so the roommate called us and said, you guys got to help me with this situation you know, this is just a mess. This person's come in drunk. And I don't think it's the first time they've done that. And I can remember saying, look, we can't deal with it. You know, we're trying to get a good night's sleep too. We've got an important meeting in the morning. So just deal with it the best you can. And uh, I remember laying there in bed with with my roommate, who was my dear friend, Robert Wagamuth. And Robert, just after a few moments of silence, turned to me and said, you know, it's hard to find good help. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, sometimes that that could be true. I, I've also dealt with another situation where there I was in a corporate context where one of the rainmakers for 
a pretty important division in our company was involved in sexual harassment. And, and in fact, the person that he had harassed, the woman that he had harassed, had reported it to me and to HR. And in that particular situation, top management wouldn't let it go any further. They, they made excuses for the person wow. and said, well, it's just hearsay, you know, and it's just her word against his word. He said he didn't do anything. And I absolutely believe the woman that told me, wow. you know, she had enormous credibility. This guy had been involved in other kinds of, you know, shenanigans before. So it was much more uh, easy to believe. Yeah, it's kind of like where there's smoke, there's fire. Exactly. Um, and as it turned out, that wasn't the last time that happened. And when I got in a position of power where I could do something about it, I terminated him. But it was frustrating to me to exist in that kind of environment and and to have to go back to this woman and said, I'm sorry. You know, this was 20 years ago, so there wasn't the the kind of, kind of remedies or we didn't feel like there were the remedies that there are, there are today. But it put her in a very difficult situation. And the only justification for it was that this person was a top performer. Mm -hmm. And so management looked the other way. Now, I'm going to tell you what happened. That made me think much less of management, right? Because I realized in that moment that their ultimate value was performance. At all costs. At all costs. Mm -hmm. That there wasn't a commitment to, uh, to ethical behavior, that they chose expediency over ethics. And that didn't make me feel great about the company I was working for either. Well, it really creates a lot of cynicism. It does. My contention is that culture drives performance, not in the short term, but in the long term. And if you compromise your culture for the sake of performance, you're eventually going to suffer on the performance side too. So you cannot afford to get these backwards. You've got to deal with these bad behaving employees for the sake of your culture and for the sake of your own future performance. Well, as a leader, it is up to you to confront that high-performing but bad-behaving individual. And we've identified five actions that you can take to do exactly that. So let's get to them. Action one, get clear in your own thinking. Yeah. So I think this is where you need to get the facts out in front of you. You probably need to get your HR team involved. Um, you know, you know, more objective eyes can be really helpful, but you need to analyze what happened. Did it cross the line? Is it inexcusable? And then, you know, how do we need to proceed once we we have that in mind, you know, what kind of confrontation is necessary? I mean, are you looking at a termination? Are you looking at disciplinary action? You know, different circumstances call for different responses. Um, but regardless, once you have clarity about what's happened and you're, you're purposely not in denial, then don't Doddle. You cannot afford to ignore the bad behavior. Um, you know, if a few days have gone by and you're like, well, now it's kind of awkward, it's going to be awkward, mm -hmm. but you have got to deal with it um, because it's only going to get worse. And, you know, these are not the kind of things that resolve, you know, drinking, carousing, overspending, you know, all the things that you can think of, abuse to other employees. These things don't resolve on their own. They're character issues and they don't go away. Well, you can get in a pattern if you're not careful of you have that moment of clarity, you decide not to act, yeah. so you postpone it. And then you just keep doing that over and over again, because the pain of confronting it, you think, you know, is going to be significant. So so again, you procrastinate and, and you don't want to do that. I think one of the best places to start is get really clear on your core values. Mm. 
you know, what is it that you as an organization are committed to? More than anything else, this will shape your culture. Right. If they're core values that are not just, you know, a, a placard you put on the wall, but they're actually something you're committed to living out, especially as a leadership team, then you have some clarity about what you're willing to, to tolerate and not tolerate. And mm-hmm. we had a situation in our own company we did. just recently where Megan, you had to terminate somebody based on our core values. And That's that right. was the driving force in giving you the courage to yes. take the action, the clarity to take the action. So you want to talk about that just a little bit? Yeah. So one of our core values, kind of the foundational core value of our company is unyielding integrity. And that means that we do what's right, even when it's uh, inconvenient, expensive, or embarrassing. And in this case, it was some of all of those. And uh, there had been a violation of integrity that just could not be ignored. Um, and so I had to make the really hard decision that the right thing to do was to terminate that person. And I did it because I knew that not only was that person outside of integrity, but that I would be outside of integrity if I chose to look the other way, which would compromise the trust that my team has in my leadership going forward. And so I was willing to make a really hard short-term decision for the benefit of the long-term health of our culture. So action number one in confronting a high-performing but bad-behaving team member, get clear in your own thinking. Action two, count the cost. And does this mean cost to you, cost to the organization, or all the above? Uh, Actually, all the above. So this wasn't a high-performing employee, but this was a high-performing client. And I had to make the decision to confront that client and essentially terminate them. But I want you to kind of look at the the calculus as I counted the cost. So this was a best-selling author that I was publishing back in the back when I was in my book publishing days and it was one of our most important authors. It was an author that uh, we had a book at the printer about to be published and I learned of some behavior on their part that was very contrary to our values. In fact, in direct opposition to our values. And I'm not going to go into more detail than that because I want to protect the people involved. But it was a very serious situation. So I went to my boss once I learned of it. In fact, this was uh, being reported in the press. And I was being asked by the press for an answer. And I didn't want to do that without making a decision on our part. And so I went to my boss and I said, this is the behavior that this person is involved with. And so he, and this was right, he said, well, we need to confront the person with the behavior before we take any action. So I said, great idea. So we flew out, we met with this author, and we said, look, in fact, I, t- I took the posture of this can't possibly be true. You know, I'm sure that what we've heard is wrong. And so we just want to give you a chance to explain yourself because I'm getting calls from the press. But I, I did kind of light a fuse. And I said, um, I think I've got 24 hours to respond or the press is going to run with this and it's not going to be good for your book. So I confronted her with the information that I had and she said, well, actually all that's true, but I think you should still do the book. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? And I said, well, I mean, my head was reeling. I never imagined that. So as we drove back uh, to the office, as we flew back to the office, um, my boss said to me, well, you know, how many, how many copies do we intend to sell? And I said, well, we've got in the, in the budget a couple hundred thousand. Wow. And, and what did we pay this author in a royalty advance? And I said about a million dollars, which was a huge, giant royalty advance for us in those days. 
And he said, well, you know, I don't know that they're going to be public with this, and I don't know if it sh should be an issue. And he's basically talking me into it. I happen to be the publisher of why we needed to go forward with this project. And so I said, I don't think I can do this. He said, well, let me tell you something. He said, why don't you take 24 hours and think about it? Because there's going to be an enormous cost to the company to pull the plug on this book. I think we can work around this. And I said, wow. So I can distinctly remember going home that night and going for a long walk with Gail and saying, honey, I, conscience will not allow me to do this. I cannot publish this book. I've got to just pull the plug on it. And I, but I think I might lose my job if I do this because mm. I'm not sure that my boss is willing to flush a million dollar advance plus the books at the printer. And we've got a couple hundred thousand copies in our projection for our division uh, this, this fall. And she's, and she said, honey, you've got to follow your conscience. This is one of those times where if, if you, if you just cave in, you know, it's, it's not going to be good. I mean, you won't be able to live with yourself and it's going to impact your culture and everything else. So I went back to my boss and I said, look, um, I said, I'm not trying to grandstand here, but we've got to pull the plug. I said, if you decide to go forward with the book, then I'm going to have to resign for the sake of my own conscience. Well, that blew his hair back. And he said, oh my gosh. He said, I think you're grandstanding here. I don't think this is that big a deal. And I said, well, I do think it's a big deal. This is a huge deal. This is an ethical breach. It's immoral behavior. And I can't publish the book and give this author a platform. And he said, well, then I, I, I got to think about that. I don't know what we're going to do. I went back and literally told my assistant, I said, I think I've just lost my job. I think we need to start packing my office. Well, the funny thing about it was my boss's boss heard about it in about 30 minutes. Called me on the phone, said, explain the situation to me. I explained the situation to him. And he said, you're absolutely doing the right thing. I support you 100%. Wow. But that was a bet your job kind of moment. Mm -hmm. And I was terrified as a result, but I had to count the cost. And the cost in that situation, yeah, I might lose my job, but I didn't want to lose my soul in the process. I didn't mm -hmm. want to lose my own integrity in the process. And so I just had to do do the right thing, not the thing that that would have solicited or would have garnered the, the performance for us. Yeah. And I, you know, I think similarly, if you're uh, in your own business, this could mean um, tanking your revenue for in a short period of time. Yeah. You know, if you lose, for example, a high performing salesperson uh, or marketing person, you know, there could be a real hit in the short term to your revenue. And so I think you have to count the cost of that, uh, but then hopefully be willing to take whatever action is necessary to be in integrity, um, regardless of the cost. Well, the funny thing about it was that after I made that decision, I had no idea of how consequential it was in the moment. But after I made the decision, of course, my entire team found out about it. Mm -hmm. And they were so proud that I had done that yeah. because they all knew that it was an ethical compromise. It became part of the folklore of our company. Yeah. And it became kind of an example of the importance of making difficult decisions mm -hmm. when, it, when it might cost us on the performance side. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think it's a good example of the fact that core values look good when they're hanging on the wall. <laughs> they're very difficult to enact yeah. in a real-life business situation. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Mike Boyer here sending a shout-out to a listener, 74 Cody, who left an iTunes review of last week's episode on Avoiding the Drift. It said, This episode really brought home for me the need to take a step back evaluate where I am, and ask the question, where do I want to go? 
Such good insight and personal connection. Thank you. And thank you, Cody. Glad the show is making a difference for you. Team, you can leave your review on iTunes, good, bad, or indifferent. We really want to know what you think. Why not do that today? And if you're loving the podcast, be sure to subscribe. You'll never miss another episode, including occasional bonus content that's just for our Lead to Win audience. Just tap subscribe on your device right now. If you need help with that, check the show notes at leadto.win. You'll also find links to all of the resources mentioned today, plus a full transcript of the show. That's at leadto.win. And now, back to the show. Well, action number one, get clear in your own thinking. Action number two, count the cost. So the third action in confronting a high-performing, bad-behaving team member, secure your supervisor's support. In that last example, I wasn't really able to do that. You know, I, if, I, I didn't want to go over my supervisor's head to his boss, who ultimately supported me, because I had no idea that he would ultimately support me. And so the chain of command was to do what I did. But man, if at all possible, you know, you need to try to secure uh, the support of your supervisor and not surprise them. I'll give you another example. And I, I, all these examples are flooding in my head. I've got a, a lot of experience doing this. But we we had an employee. I had an employee that was working for me in my, my division uh, back when I was in the publishing business who was caught viewing pornography on his work computer. And what I didn't know at the time, he didn't report directly to me, he reported to somebody else, that his supervisor had given him a written warning and reported to HR, and it just didn't make its way up up to me. But this person was already in probation, and the stupid thing was, he got caught again. You're just kind of like, idiot. I know. Like, (laughs) what part of this doesn't... Well, obviously, he had a serious addiction, Right. right? And so now I'm brought in into it. But here's the thing. I didn't take what ended up being a termination action. And this guy was really a great employee. But I didn't have to secure my boss's approval. I informed my boss of what was going to happen, got total support there. But I went to HR because I wanted to make sure that I had all my ducks in a row, that I followed this in a way that would reduce the liability of the company because I didn't want to get sued Mm -hmm. for wrongful termination, which I was pretty sure I was in the clear. But here's the thing. You don't want to terminate somebody like this and surprise your boss or surprise HR or surprise your lawyers because – you know, there may be some nuances to this that you need to follow, like in documentation yeah. or whatever, so that the employee couldn't come back and say, for example, in this situation, like, that's totally baloney. I, that didn't happen. I, mm-hmm. I reject that. So we made sure that we had all of our, our ducks in a row. The odd thing about that was this person who had now been caught twice using their computer to view pornography. And by the way, they were in a cube. They weren't in a private office. So anybody walking by could see it. Again. Right? I know it just makes you, it defies Idiot. imagination. <laughs> but that person begged for their job. I've ne- That's the only time I've ever had a person beg for their wow. job. And it said, you know, you can't fire me. I will never be able to face my wife. I will never be able to tell her what's happened. And in that moment, I mean, I didn't want to be callous, but I just said, buddy, you should have been thinking about that a right. long time ago. Not my problem. That's not my problem. Right. You're not always going to be able to get the support of your supervisor. There are going to be times when you're going to have to take a stand that they don't agree with, and you're going to need to terminate someone, for example, and they're going to refuse to allow it. 
if you need their approval. In that situation, you know, kind of to our previous action of counting the cost, you may have to resign or at least be willing to resign. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's where, you know, this whole integrity question kind of rubber meets the road. Um, so, you know, you need to be realistic about that too. Sure, you'd like to have that be, you'd like to have the support of your direct supervisor. You'd like for it to be able to be peacefully resolved between the two of you. It's unlikely that it's going to be a peaceful resolution to confronting someone, you know, who's uh, who's working for you in this situation. But um, it's not always going to happen. So you have to be willing to take the the hard line if it's necessary. I guess we have to ask ourselves, what's our integrity worth? Right. You know, and, and mine isn't for sale. That's right. Action number three, secure your supervisor's support. We might also say, follow the protocols of your, yes. of your company and your HR procedures. Right. Yeah, don't just go out there and, you know, be a gladiator and vanquish your foes, but make sure that that you've got the support of the people that need to be in support, so they're not surprised. And I and I've found that that generally speaking, leaders don't like to be surprised. So if they know what's going down, they're good with it. Action number four: confront the bad behaving employee. Yeah. So I think the first thing is you got to be calm. Right, so you don't le- need to um, escalate the situation by not being calm. You need to be very objective and very factual. In some situations, depending on the behavior, this calls for immediate termination. There's no negotiation. There's no apologizing that can be done. They've just, you know, they've crossed a line that requires their immediate termination. Right. And by the way, we should say, if you're dealing with a situation that is that severe, you need to involve HR. There's probably formal documentation that needs to happen. Um, you'll you'll need to be prepared when you confront that person with talking points that um, you know HR has spoken into that are related to that documentation. You'll need to have other documents prepared. I mean, this is not a situation that you want to catch somebody kind of in between a meeting and try to you know m- meetings and have this conversation. This is a a thing that needs to be well choreographed, and it may take you, you know, a day or two to get your ducks in a row with HR. Don't try to just go rogue and figure it out yourself, because you'll either um, handle it improperly and expose yourself to legal action on the part of the employee that you're terminating, or you'll not act strongly enough and put your other employees or the company's brand and reputation at risk. So there are some specific concerns and considerations that um, HR can advise you on, and it's important to take their counsel in this situation. Yeah, I think you can't underestimate how anxious you're going to be in this situation yeah. or how fearful you'll be yourself right. confronting somebody because nobody likes to do this, right? Any normal person doesn't like to do this. So that's the value of having talking points too. The way mm-hmm. I can remain calm is I know exactly what I'm going to say first, what I'm going to say second, what I'm going to say third, and so forth. By the way, one, and we did a whole episode on this, but one piece of counsel I give here in case people haven't heard that episode about termination. So one of the things I always do is start with the conclusion. Because I want this to be a non-negotiable. You know, we've made the decision to terminate you, and here's why. And so then I launch into it, and I don't get into a lot of rationale or feel like I've got to justify it. The decision is irrevocable. You mm-hmm. know, I've made the decision, and we're going to move forward on it. But there are situations where it doesn't rise to that level. It doesn't rem- right. rise to the level of termination, like a, a situation like disrespect. I had another author one time who gravely disrespected somebody in my company by something they they said. Uh, it left the other person in tears. And I had to call that author and say, look, if we're going to move forward, this is going to require that you apologize. You're going to have to apologize to that employee, to their satisfaction, and they got to report to me that you did that 
or else we're not going to go forward with this mm-hmm. this book deal. And uh, actually, that's happened a couple times. And um, fortunately, in one case, they were willing to do that. So they were willing to make the apology and set things right, and we were able to move forward. So it may be a situation like that that could be remediated, yep. but not always. If it can, awesome. Sure. Yeah. That's what you hope for. But they need to back up. You just can't sweep it under the rug just because they're a high-performing employee or vendor or high-performing customer. And and that could happen in a context where a customer would be disrespectful to somebody. Mm-hmm. And you just have to say for the sake of your team, and I, by the way, I always value my team oh my gosh. over my yes, customers. Every time. So people say the customer is always right. No, my my point of view is my team is always right. And my point of view is my team takes care of the customers, so the customers take care of us. But I never get that reversed, right? So I can go find different customers, but my team must be respected. Mm-hmm. And I'm always going to make a decision in favor of my team on that. I have a question for you on this confrontation issue. You mentioned some things are immediate termination. They're just mm-hmm. that serious. Other things may call for an apology. What about things that don't rise to the level of immediate termination, but maybe is a pattern of behavior? Mm -hmm. So how hard do you work to remediate the character, the the conduct of a high-performing team member? Do they get to apologize every Monday or? (laughs) I would say this, I'm not going to remediate character. That's not my job. If you have a character problem, that's going to end in your either immediate or eventual termination, you know. And and by eventual, I mean we're going to document it to the point that we've it's risen to a level of severity that we can, you know, reasonably terminate you. Like, or it might be in an egregious action. If you have performance issues, we can coach you on that, and if you have the aptitude, we can bring you along. But character, you know, like honesty. I probably can't really help you develop honesty. That that was kind of like before. Could you be a little more truthful? Yeah, that that yeah, was no. kind of like elementary school stuff, you know? Um, if you're just not self-aware, that might be a skill that we could work on. But if it's really a character issue like integrity or honesty, forget it. That that's just going to that's going to lead to termination in the end because that is in violation of our core values. But I do think there are, are situations where there are character violations or character issues that are not so egregious that it would be advisable to terminate immediately. And that's when you enter into either a probationary period or a period of HR documentation where you're documenting infractions over a period of time, you know, just to kind of uh, cover yourself legally. We've had situations like that that have happened, certainly on the performance side and to a lesser extent, you know, on, in, in these kind of areas. And it's just really important to document. You know, you want to go through an HR process. It, by the way, even if you immediately terminate someone, you should consult HR. That's right. Otherwise, you're going to terminate them and you have no plan for how to get their technology back, you know, how to get a severance agreement signed, you know, all the all the legal considerations. Like, you don't just want to fly off the handle. Yeah, when we say immediate, we don't mean the behavior like, happens and you just go, you know, lone ranger. Yeah, you may even need to investigate. That may even be part, depending on the circumstances, of getting to a, a termination. Okay, I want to hitchhike on, on Larry's question and ask you this question. So it's like stump the band. So <laughs> what would you do? Like, just just imagine there was a supervisor who was a little bit, you know, kind of had this annoying behavior of being very dismissive of what his teammates would yeah. say and would often embarrass them in meetings right. or or just, like I said, be dismissive about their comments. Yeah. Is that, in your view, something that would require uh, coaching versus termination? 
in that situation, I would try coaching first. Because it might because be a lack of self-awareness. It might be a lack of self-awareness. You know, that's that to me is very different than like dishonesty or, you know, other kind of integrity violations. That that could be that you need to develop your skills in that area. Now, if I encountered resistance when I went to that person and brought it to their attention and they weren't willing to participate in coaching, now we got another problem. Mm -hmm. You know, but if they're willing to participate and I see results, then we might get some traction there. Well, the reason I ask is because I had another employee that was similar to this. This was a supervisor who reported to me. And um, I started getting her people coming to me complaining about her kind of authoritarian. Yeah demanding, overbearing, micromanaging style. And so I actually confronted her on this and suggested that we go through a whole series of 360 exercises so that it could objectify and prove to her that she had an issue. And so we did that. And then as we were about to discuss the results with the consultant, she resigned. Wow. Yeah. So Tells you a lot. Yeah, it tells you a lot right there. Well, this brings us to action number five, which is explain your actions to the team. This is important because in a vacuum, people will make up a narrative. Uh, we always try to explain things. And a sudden, suddenly, somebody is one of your highest performers, and they suddenly depart the company, or you fired them. You might be tempted you know, to not say anything about it because maybe you want to um, you know, not gossip or you don't want to violate that other person's whatever. But eventually it's not a service to your team. You don't have to go into a lot of detail, but I think you have to make it crystal clear as to why they were fired. And I think it sends a signal to your team, which is good. And I think it also helps your team understand what you're willing to tolerate and not tolerate. And it's really good for your culture. Now, Megan, we when we did that situation where you were talking about where we had mm-hmm. to terminate somebody, because they violated one of our core values. Talk about how we dealt with that with the team. Yeah. Well, this is tricky because, you know, you're probably going to get guidance from HR to say almost nothing. Right. HR is always kind of in the risk management, risk management business, which is good. That's an important perspective to consider. The problem is it's not always what's in the best interest of your culture. And so you have to balance the tension of those two things. And I think we had to do that in our situation as well. So, In our situation, I got the team together and at a high level explained what had happened. Again, not in great detail, not for the purpose of uh, embarrassing uh, the person who was fired, but for the purpose of illustrating our commitment to our core values and what we would and would not tolerate. So really, it was about what are our norms, you know, behaviorally uh, in terms of conduct and so forth. And I think that's really important because what you don't want people to think, there's kind of two dangers here. One is that people think you don't really take this stuff seriously if you don't talk about it and you're kind of dismissive of your values, you know, you're, you're out of alignment or they think you're rash and you just, you're just firing people for seemingly no reason. You know, all they know is this person was producing great results and it doesn't make any sense. And if you're willing to do it to them, maybe you're willing to do it to other people and there's no rhyme or reason to it. And it creates a real sense of insecurity for people. And so we use that opportunity to say, here are the circumstances under which we will terminate people. And if you are not finding yourself in one of these situations, you will not be surprised by a termination. If there's a, for example, a performance issue, that's not going to result in immediate termination. You will not be surprised. There will be a process of uh, coaching and development that we 
go through with you um, to try to get to a place where you can stay with the team. So you don't ever need to be worried that you're going to just be dismissed randomly or in a way that would surprise you. And so I think that's part of what you're doing. You're trying to affirm the security of other people's position. You're trying to affirm your commitment to your core values and kind of underscore the trust that people have in your leadership. Well, today we've learned that as a leader, you must confront the high-performing but bad-behaving employee, and there are five actions that you can take in order to accomplish that. One, get clear in your own thinking. Two, count the cost. Three, secure your supervisor's support, or we might say uh, act within the guidelines of your human resources department. Four, confront the bad-behaving employee And five, explain your actions to the team. Parting thoughts today, guys. What's your final word for our listeners? These are really hard situations when they come up. And if you feel um, kind of overwhelmed or have internal conflict about it, that's normal. But err on the side of your integrity, even if it costs you in the short term. You'll never look back and wish you'd done anything differently than that. But if you make an expedient decision, it'll haunt you for years to come. I have nothing to add to that. That's perfect. Thanks for giving us practical advice on a really tough subject today. Very helpful. Thanks, Larry. Yeah, thanks, Larry. And thank you guys for joining us on Lead to Win. And on a personal note, during the month of July, I'll be practicing what I preach and taking a personal sabbatical. But not to worry, we've got our greatest hits for the last two years queued up for the month. I know you're going to enjoy these Encore episodes, and we'll be right back here on August the 6th, God willing, with a brand new show. Until then, Lead to Win. This episode of Lead to Win has been brought to you by the Leader Score Assessment a simple tool to evaluate the health of your leadership. Find out more at lead2.win slash leaderscore.